0: Good morning, Amokyo family. Last week, Pastor Anthony preached on sexual immorality is wrong. Today, we are going to look at what is the right thing to do then. What is the right thing to do as Christian couples or even Christians in mixed marriages and also as a Christian single, what is the right thing to do? Before I start the sermon, I would like to ask if you've ever been in in this same situation as me. Have you ever watched television or even in the movies with your family member, maybe your parents or your sibling? And in a show, the couple is kissing or even going to bed with one another. In some cases, the girl is being raped by the villain of the show. And if you've been in such a situation and you feel awkward like myself, you know, what do you do? Maybe you even change the channel uh, on seeing such a scene. Well, the people in Corinth we were sexually immoral in that they do not even feel any awkwardness about it. Well, even in the context of marriage, they openly talk about sex outside of marriage as if it was a casual topic like talking about food or the weather. Well, today's passage is from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 to 24. Well, after six chapters of Paul's ranting, we finally reach the point where he addressed the issues that the Corinthian church has asked of him. Sadly, we do not have the Corinthian church letter to Paul, but only Paul's reply to them. Well, it is like hearing one end of the phone conversation. And despite hearing that one end of the phone conversation, we can make an intelligent guess of what the issue is that the Corinthian church was facing at that point in time. Paul starts off in chapter 7. Now, for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body but use it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body but use it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourself to prayer then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Allow me to give you some background context as to what the Corinthians were facing at that time. Well, this is taken from a website called Two Journeys. It's talking about the context of marriage back then. So first, in terms of marriages, there was a slave marriage. Well, in the Roman Empire, there was a huge percentage of slaves in the population. So what happens when a slave get married to another slave? When two slaves get married, it was known as a ten marriage an expression of a ten dwelling that represents transient, very temporary. Right? The two slaves will not even know how long they will get together as their master might just break them apart or just sell one of them off. Now, the church population back then also had a huge population of slaves. And it was a messy situation. There are the ten marriages, well, did not, basically did not follow the pattern of one man and one woman, whereby there is a covenant relationship for life. It was actually a chaotic pattern of breaking off and joining another as marriages were just temporary. So when these slaves became Christians, Paul was trying to teach them about the sacredness of marriage and to live up to God's original plan for marriage. Well, it's not easy, right? I mean, as a slave, you don't have control over your own marriage because the, a wicked master could easily break the couple apart. Well, second kind of marriage, there was a common law marriage. This is where a man and a woman would live together for one year but never been through a ceremony where vows were taken. As such, actually, they have no legal status, common, a common law marriage. Well, third, there was marriage by sale. right? A single man can approach a father who has a daughter and just purchase her with two goats, one sheep, one ox, maybe. You know, it was prevalent back then for such a marriage to occur. Fourth is a marriage between nobles and the wealthy. A noble or wealthy man could marry another noble or wealthy woman and she would be his legal wife. Well, sadly, this marriage hardly had any relationship between the two. It usually results in a lot of adultery and sexual immorality. The married couple were merely just legal spouses to one another and each of them were engaged in sexual sin or sexual immorality outside of their marriage. Lastly, they were Christians with Jewish background and they too have a very different view of marriage as compared to the gentile Christians or non-believers. So in light of this messy situation, right? there's so many different kinds of marriages. What is the most important? And Paul said it in verse 10. To the married I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. Well, there's one word I would like the married couples to focus on and the word is faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful in marriage? Well, of course, the simple answer to being faithful is not just about committing, not committing adultery. So let me help you unpack this word a bit further for us to reflect. Well, here I want to say I'm no means an expert in marriage counselling or giving advice to the married couples out there who is listening to this, uh, watching this video. I'm only in my fourth year of marriage, and between my wife and I, we do have our ups and downs, joys, our quarrels, and our frustrations. Also here, I cannot cover all aspects of marriage, the marriage values, marriage principles. What I can only do is to speak on what the Lord has Want us to hear today and what scripture is teaching us. And Paul, too, in verse 3 and verse 4, advocated faithfulness. Well, he says the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to the husband. Well, I have participated in a quite a few gate crashes as a brother, a shumti, right, of the groom. Well, thankfully the bridesmaids for these gate crashes were merciful to us, groomsmen. Well, they did not embarrass us, torture us physically, or even force us to eat any unpleasant food, which might really result in food poisoning in most of the case. But there will be one segment where the groom and, and the shongti, right, has made it past the various gates, the main gate and and many obstacles, and they reach the bride's, r- bride's room's last door. Right, So at the last door, the groom will have to make multiple vows which go something like this. I vow to bring you uh, overseas for holidays at least twice in a year. I vow to wash the dishes and clean the toilet. I vow to catch the cockroaches and lizards in the house. We might all laugh at these vows by the groom, but these vows are vows to actually provide and care for their spouse, right? You think about it. But how about the married couples uh, who is watching right now who were married by a pastor? Do you still remember your vow to each other? Well, it goes something like, I take you to be my wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, to death do us part according to God's holy law, In the presence of God, I make this vow. Well, I hope to refresh your memory and remind you of the vow you made before God to your spouse. In whatever situation you are in right now, I hope you love and cherish one another. And by doing so, you fulfill the vow you made before God. Additionally, this vow does not merely mean that you provide financially to your spouse. And your family. It also includes loving and sharing a life with the people by respecting, by showing importance, by giving them a listening ear, by hearing them out their ideas, their feelings, and their emotions. Well, Miguel Angel Ruth once said respect is one of the greatest expressions of love. Right? Respect is one of the greatest expressions of love. So really, the first way to be faithful to one another is to fulfill your vow and respect one another. And the second way to fulfil, to be faithful is to be trustworthy and loyal. Where our vows to one another might only last during the honeymoon phase of a marriage. Right? The real test of our faithfulness of words lies in being reliable and humble. And to build this trust with one another we need to keep to our words. And the problem with us today is that we are too busy. We have a packed schedule and when that happens, we might drop some balls here and there as our schedule goes into a big mess and we cannot follow through with our words. And when that happens, trust is broken. I remember watching a video clip by Pastor Wayne Condero where he taught us uh, the importance of putting our loved ones and family first in our schedule. So if you can imagine an empty schedule that you have, uh, maybe a a few months uh, later, he will place time with family first before scheduling other appointments. And I think that's a good habit for us to put in place too. Moving on, in a trustworthy marriage, we also need to be humble, to own up to our own mistakes and apologize without being told. Well, we are all imperfect people and we all will make a mistake. So let us be humble and admit our mistake for the relationship to grow. Now many times, and here I speak on behalf of men, right, we let our ego, our insecurities, our pride, or we just simply do not know how to apologize. And by doing so, we get in the way of being humble to admit our mistakes. So for the sake of the relationship, can I ask that each and every one of you, let us be humble and say sorry first. Well, if we are honest with ourselves too, this advice of being faithful, reliable, humble, are merely words that are easier said than done. Well, we are human beings which are complicated, we are sensitive, we are broken. There are still so many other reasons which I can't cover here in a marriage, right? Of what ifs between a couple, what if this person did this, what if this person said this, how can I forgive so many situations that I'm unable to cover here? And because of that, the word divorce will pop up every, ever so often in our marriage life. And the problem with divorce is that there is already so much pain in it. Pain within ourselves, pain in our family, pain between a couple, and ultimately, pain, ultimately God is also in pain too as a couple goes through a divorce. Jesus in Matthew 19 replied to the disciples' question, Did Moses command that a man gives his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another woman, commits adultery. And here the key word I picked up is this is it was not this way from the beginning. And let us then do our very best to get our marriage in order, just like how God wants it to be right from the start of time when He created Adam and Eve. Now moving on to verse 12 and 13. Paul is speaking about mixed marriages where one spouse is a believer and the other is not. Right In verse 12, he says, To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. Again, Paul's advice is the same. Do not divorce one another and stay in the same situation you are in. So when one spouse becomes a believer and the other is not, realistically and practically, the believer, the spouse that is a believer, might have new Christian friends, a new lifestyle, a new pattern of worship, like going to church on Sundays. And the other spouse is really not part of this new lifestyle this new life that the believer has. Well, in the past, some might even suggest a clean break in a marriage, right? just divorce a non-Christian, find a nice Christian man or woman, get married, raise a Christian family. That sounds like a very nice solution, a very clean solution. But if by doing so, what is really happening is Christianity is seen as a home wrecker. Right? So Paul is then giving advice to the church, to those who are in such a situation to stay married he said in verse 14 he is actually saying in verse 14 that in some powerful and mysterious way the presence of a christian in the home has a permeating and powerful spiritual effect on the whole family now here this does not mean that the unbeliever in the family is safe this is not what it is saying here we know that only through an individual repentance and belief in Jesus that there will be salvation. But a believing husband or wife can have a powerful influence at home. Well, if you are in this situation, can I pray for you to persevere right, and keep pressing in for your spouse and family salvation. So do not give up. So let me speak to the singles, both young and old. The good thing for you is that, the good news is that For those who are single and not married, you are on a blank sheet of paper where you can start to build your marriage in the right manner. Paul in verse 8 and 9 said, Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Well, here Paul uses the word unmarried to categorize single people who have never been married and people who are married at one point but are no longer married now. So Paul uses himself as an example of singlehood and some scholars believed that he was a widow instead of a single who didn't marry. Well, what we know is that at the point of writing to his death, Paul was single. Now, using himself as an example, Paul was actually refuting the idea that there is something wrong with you if you are single. Because that is really not true at all. He is actually advocating if you stay single, if you are able to stay single and can do so, please stay single. But there is a limitation. There is a barrier that the singles need to overcome. And that question the singles need to ask themselves is, can I remain sexually pure as a single man or woman. So if the answer is no, Paul says, it's better to get married than to engage in sexual activities outside of marriage. So my question to the singles, both young and old, who desire to get married, how are you preparing yourself to be faithful in marriage? Right? How are you preparing yourself to be faithful in marriage? And can I refer uh, you to an excellent article written by Sort and Light titled One is a whole number. Right? You can search Google Sort and Light, one is a whole number and the interesting thing is this article starts with three interesting questions. First, is it possible to live a fulfilled single life and yet want to get married? Second, is there an age when I stop wanting to get married? And third, why does singlehood feel like a consolation prize? Well, and the panelists who shared their views and experience in the Zoom chat were Dr. Florence Tan, age 73, Pamela Koh, age 40, and Isaac Ong, age 33, all of whom are single. Right, the panelists tried to answer the question, "Why? The, what does a healthy view of singlehood look like? And they came up with contentment and celebration as they were contented with their single status and they celebrated their singlehood. But the more important question is, how can I manage my desire for marriage and yet find fullness in God as a single? How can I manage my desire for marriage yet find fullness in God as a single? You know, the panelists came up with four answers. First, trust in God's leading. Second, tell God your struggles. Third, have a supportive commun- community. And last, keep a check on yourself. I invite you as singles um, who are watching this video to read the article for yourself as it gives you practical advice on how to live as a single. Well, again, I do not have all the answers and unable to cover every aspect of being a single for the Lord and, and preparing and preparation for marriage. I pray that you will just seek the Lord for yourself and allow Him to speak to you. The pastors and staff are also available to journey with you through your singlehood. And we are always available to talk to you. Now to both married couples and singles, Paul ends this segment by saying in verse 19b, Keeping God's command is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you altogether. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when God, when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was called when called, the one, similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings, brothers and sisters. Each person, as responsible to God, should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. So if you have noticed, the words remain in the situation they were in when God called them. This phrase or this sentence were repeated in verse 20 and 24. So Paul basically is speaking to everyone here, both married and single, and calling them to be contented with the situation that they were in. Paul is also calling us to be contented in the situation we are in. But the saying goes, right? The grass is greener on the other side. And that always seems true to us. Right? For example, the other job that a person is doing is easier than mine. Well, if only I'm married and not single, I will not be suffering from pornography addiction. If only my wife uh, was as easygoing as my friend's wife. If only my husband will do the housework like my friend's husband. The list goes on and on because the grass is always greener on the other side. Paul ends off this segment by saying it does not matter whether you are married or single. What matters is to be contented with where you are at now. Now, Family and friends, I really do not know what situation you are in right now. Uh, It could be a peaceful and fulfilling situation or it could be a stressful and tight-string situation where there are quarrels and unhappiness in the family right now. Or maybe there's just a mixture of both. But I ask that you be willing to say to the Lord, Lord, help me to be faithfully contented in my marriage. Help me to stop comparing with other people's marriages and spouse. For the singles, help me to be contented, to be a better single for you, Lord. And let me end with these two attitudes we need. The f- for in regard to content- contentment, the first is found in Matthew, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And the second is to be thankful. Paul in Ephesians chapter five, verse nineteen to twenty says, Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to the Lord for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even when Paul was in prison, he gave thanks for everything. And there is much to be said about God and being thankful. But we can start by praying and asking the Holy Spirit to help us. So will you join me now in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to be our helper in the situation we are in. Let us pray. Almighty God, loving Father, we thank you for the situation we are in for those who are married we thank you for our spouse who is supporting who is loving who is caring who does things out of his or her way goes the extra mile to care for us who do the little things in life Father we just want to thank them from the bottom of our hearts we want to love them by being faithful to our vows by respecting them by trusting them and by loving them ultimately Lord for the singles Lord I pray a blessing for those who are who desire to get married, Lord, you guide them, you lead them as they prepare themselves first uh, to be faithful in marriage. They prepare themselves uh, now, Lord, uh, in light of marriage, Father. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of us who is watching the video right now that we will be contented, Lord. And through contentment, we can seek you first and be thankful for all that we have. And Lord, let us put you first in all our lives and help us and guide us in all that we do. We give you thanks, we give you praise, and we give you all glory and honour. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.